<laughs> okay. So here's the thing about a trust fall. Y'all feel like that looked cheesy and easy. No, it was not. Yay. You felt like that should have been scary. She only fell like this far, so why is she so nervous, right? How many of you have ever done one before? How does that feel? How does that feel knowing that you have no control? Look at me. You have absolutely zero control of what happens once you get to a certain point. Like, you're not catching yourself, right? You have no control. How many of you like that? How many of you like having absolutely no control um, in your lives? Okay? Put your hand down. I'm being serious. How many of you like the idea of having no control in um, maybe your relationships when it comes to boyfriends and girlfriends? Like, nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody signs up for that. I'm just going to... How many of you would trust your dad to pick your boyfriend? (laughs) Anybody? Guys, how many of you would trust your mom to pick your girlfriend? <laughs> you would? <laughs> My parents probably know better than That's true. See, here's the thing. This thing with God, this idea of a relationship with God, it's kind of this thing where we are supposed to completely Throw ourselves at the mercy of the cross. We were supposed to do just a trust fall, a trust dive with our lives and say, God, catch me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what your expectations are for me. But God, I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. And God, you're going to take me where you want me to go. See, and here's the thing is it's really really scary to look at your life and say, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to let God control my life. Right? So in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, and we see a story that many of you know about. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 we see this guy named Abram. Y'all know who Abram is? You see, here's the thing about Abram. Thank you, Tucker. Actually, let me read this. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for um, entrusting me, God, to deliver your word to these students. God, I pray that you would use me tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts and in our lives and that we would grow closer to you. In your name I pray, amen. See, here's the thing. Here's the word I want you to focus on. So Abram, he, he lived in a place called Ur. Okay? Ur. You are. That was the name of this place. I don't know. I mean, don't make fun. I live in Saudi Daisy. (laughs) 
Um, so Ur, it was this economic and cultural place. Like, it was the place to be. Like, um, it, it was almost like living in New York City. I mean, that, it was where everybody was. It's where everybody wanted to go. It was the big place. And here you have God and, and, and Abraham, and he had faith in this so-called God and left everything he knew to go to a new place. You see, but here's what's different about God is Abraham or Abram didn't have like scripture to memorize. He didn't have Jesus dying on the cross for his sins. He didn't have all these things. He just had this God speaking to him. He didn't understand, like, like, oh, okay. See, but here's what I want you to focus in on, on that verse. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives. I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your friends and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. Anybody catch that? See, that's the key word in this verse. When you read scripture, look for key words. The key word in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, for us to lean on is the word will, to the land which I will show you. And here you have Abraham, or Abram, trusting in God and saying, okay. I live in, in this fantastic place. I have everything I need. I've got my family. I've got my belongings. I've got everything. But God, you want me to go, so I'm going to go. How many of us would have faith like that? To say, okay, I'm going to leave it all. I'm just going to leave it all behind, and I'm going to go. And God, I have no clue where you're sending me, but I'm just going to go. I'm going to go jump on 75, and I'm going to drive north until God tells me to stop. Right? Like, think about that, man. Like, what kind of faith must that have taken? You see, a lot of times we miss God's calling on our lives because we aren't sure what, what or where God is moving us or calling us to. Man, and think about this. Abram's moving locations. He's moving his home. He's moving his life for God. In most instances, God is asking you to be a little bit uncomfortable at school. He's saying, hey, listen, I want you to do this thing and know it's not going to be popular. No, you're not going to, you know, be the homecoming queen if you do this all the time. But I want you to do this thing and it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. And we're like, nope, God, sorry. I don't know what that looks like. No one else does it, so pick someone else. See, and how many of us is how many of us is that person? And we look at our lives and we see God drawing us to a place, and we don't know what that place looks like. We don't know what that place smells like. We don't know what that place is, and we say, "No, God, I can't do that. I can't risk my popularity. My friends might think something." My friends might think I'm not cool, right? I've, I've got to, I have to do this to fit in with society. So no, God, I can't, um, I can't give up on, on social media. 
You have Abram moving his whole life and placing his faith in God for something that he has no clue what's going on. And I want you to think about what it sounds like for us to say, I will not stop my Snapchat streak for you, God. I got, what? <laughs> right? Like, think about it. Let that process. No, I can't, I can't do that, God. My, I can't talk to my friends about, about church, God. I, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll go and volunteer at the nursing home. I'll go do all this stuff. But, but sorry, God, my, my friends, man, they'll, they'll talk about me. Well, what kind of friends you got? Right? You see, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us because it's outside of our comfort zone. It's not the norm for us. It seems weird. You see, but we've got to have faith that God knows what's best for our lives. You see, and if we do so, we will continue to see God work in our lives, just like he did Abram. Look at this, Genesis chapter 17. We're going we're gonna to jump ahead a little bit. Look what, look what happens. It says, now when Abram was 99 years old, 99 how many of y'all think you're going to live past 99? <laughs> no. He's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. In other words, be obedient to me. Right? Last week we talked about sin and what sin did to our lives. And, and ultimately God is saying, be obedient. And right here he says, Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Be obedient, Abram. Be obedient, and here's what I'll do. Verse 2. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of multitude." of nations no longer shall your name be called abram but your name shall be called abraham for i've made you the father of a multitude of nations get this later in the story of abraham we see that god promises him that he will have a son so all these years man him and his wife, they can't have a baby. They're, they're so discouraged. And when he's 99 years old, he's like, hey, Abram, here's the thing. I'm going to give you a kid. And Abram's like, what? That doesn't make sense. I'm old. And God says, trust me. Trust me. Have faith. You remember that time that I told you to leave and I told you to go to a place and I'm not telling you where to go, but I told you to go and you followed me, you listened to me, you obeyed me, you were obedient. I want you to be obedient further. You see, your obedience leads to further obedience. And, and both Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were old and they can't physically have children. However, God promised, promises goes much further than just having a kid. God promises that Abraham will be the father of many nations. You see, he made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. How many of y'all know what a covenant is? 
Okay, so think about it like this. And we always go into this whenever I do premarital counseling. One day you guys are going to get older, and I hope that you ask me to do your wedding, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to have premarital counseling. And then in week three, it's going to be super uncomfortable because then I'm talking about the whole SEX talk in front of you and your soon-to-be spouse, and it's really weird, right? (laughs) Like, I love it. It's like 22-year-olds, and they start acting like 12-year-olds again. But in that talk, we talk about a covenant that is made between a husband and a wife. See, here's the cool thing about a covenant. It's kind of like a contract, See, but here's the tricky part of a covenant with God, is a covenant of God doesn't mean that you and God get together and create the circumstances with each other. A covenant with God means God creates the circumstances and you agree to it. It doesn't change. Like God's expectations for us, they don't change. God's expectation of marriage, it doesn't change because it's a covenant. God created that covenant. It's not up for us to change it. People can go into this whole idea of like same-sex marriage and this and that. Well, that's just not marriage, right? Because that's not part of God's covenant. You can't change God's covenant because you had no idea. You had no belonging in the creating of that covenant. You see, and here's the cool thing about God, is God will always honor his word. God will always be faithful. You can trust that God will always have your back. Right? And he says, listen, if you will be obedient to me, I will bless you. See, what happens when we become obedient to God? When we throw our comfort out the window... And we start saying, okay, this is going to be awkward and this is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to go witness to my friend. And I know it's going to be weird and I don't completely know what to say, but I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to take that trust fall and I'm just going to throw myself at God and I'm going to say, okay, God's been pouring it on my heart, man. He's been on me to witness to this friend, to invite this friend to church, but, but I don't want to because it's a popular friend. It's, um, I, I just don't know how they're going to react. I don't want to lose this friendship, but, but I'm just going to trust God. I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to trust God. What happens? When we are obedient to God, as God blesses us. On speakerphone. No, no, no. No. See, instead, here's what we do. Instead of agreeing to God's covenant, we like to make our own rules. We like to make our own contract with God. Right? That's what we do. We twist it the other way. In most instances, we like to make the the stipulations, and then we wonder why God doesn't bless us in whatever we are agreeing to. 
For example, um, God, I promise that if you will make this relationship work out, he's the one. I know he's the one. I'm going to marry him. I'm going to be Mrs. Whatever. And, and, and God, I, it will be fantastic. It, it will make my whole life happy if you'll just make this one relationship work out. God, I promise I'll go to church every week. Right? Anybody ever do that? Not maybe not with that specific example, but we make we we try to make deals with God. What about what about something like this? Um, I promise to tell my friends about you um, if if you'll get my mom off my back. God, please just just the nagging has got to stop. She's driving me nuts. God, help me. And I'll be obedient. God, if you'll help me pass this test, I won't say a cuss word for at least a year. <laughs> right? If you'll do this, God, then I'll do that. You see, we make promises that we can't keep, and then whenever that boyfriend breaks our heart or that girlfriend breaks our heart or we fail the class or we don't make the team, we wonder and we cry out to God, why didn't you make it work, God? You see, here's the thing. It wasn't part of God's covenant. It wasn't God's plan for you. You don't set the rules. And God says, if you will be obedient to me, then I will bless you. You see, we have nothing to offer God. Instead of continual obedience, we offer deal after deal. Um, being obedient doesn't mean that life gets easier, right? Like, but it does lead to much more meaningful lives. Being obedient doesn't mean that being a Christian is easy. It doesn't mean a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have hard circumstances in your life, man. Being obedient to God this week doesn't mean your parents are just going to magically start getting along next week. Being obedient to God doesn't mean that, that if your parents recently uh, split up, it doesn't mean they're going to get back together. Being obedient to God doesn't mean that if your parents are sick or your grandmother's sick, it doesn't mean that God's going to heal her or him the way that you want them to be healed. It doesn't work that way, but it will lead to happiness. It will lead to joy. Even in those disgusting, the, 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 the sick circumstances of life, the, the miserable circumstances of life, if you are obedient to God, God will bless you and you will find some sort of joy. You'll find hope. You'll find meaning in your life. You see, and then as we jump forward again, Genesis 22, we see that Abraham took it one step further in his obedience. You see, if you read in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18, you see this. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. 
In other words, your, your, your seed, your, your people, they're going to be strong, man. Verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see, here's the thing. Abraham found himself in a place where at 99 years old, God finally said, I'm going to give you and your wife a child. Man, they've been praying for years and years and years for this child, for this son, and they finally have the son. And then one day God speaks to Abraham and he says, listen, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to need you to be obedient, okay? Um, I'm going to need you to go and sacrifice your son. That's normal, right? But did Abraham hold back? No. It's just one more example of Abraham saying, God, this doesn't make any sense. This seems crazy. She's going to kill me, right? Like, this this is insane, God. How many of you wonder in your lives and you feel like God is calling you to do something and you just want to say, God, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense, God. Right? And here we have Abraham, and he's probably thinking in his head, man, this is crazy, this doesn't make sense, but we're going to go, right? And if you read the story, you know what happens. They're on their way. They've got the wood for the offering. They've got the, the fire. They've got everything. And, and, and Abraham, his son, even says at one point, Dad, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> and you got to imagine, man, that, that had to like rip Abraham's heart out. For him to think, what's well, you? <laughs> right? And again, Abraham's thinking, man, this doesn't make sense. This is crazy. Why, why God, would you, would you finally give me my son and then ask for me to sacrifice him? Right? And you read through and you see where, where Abraham actually goes through the motion. He's like, son, I need you to lay down. And he lays down and he, and he bounds him to the altar. And, and he gets prepared to make the sacrifice almost as if, if, as if his, his hand's in the air. He's ready to make the sacrifice. And God says, stop! Right? You see, here's the difference between Abraham and here's the difference between us. Abraham was all in. How many of us, we come to church, we go through the motions, we, we come because we're playing egg football and we're eating pizza. That's fantastic. I agree with you. That's a good night. But that's the only reason we're here. We're not here to dig into God's Word. We're not here to grow in the Word of God. We're not here to minister to our friends. We're not here to make a difference in anybody's life other than please me, please myself. And if it doesn't do that, I'm not doing it, God. You see, Abraham was all in. And I want you to think about that tonight. I want you to think about that this weekend. We do these goofy things, the selfie challenge. That was a out-of-nowhere thought that I had today. Like, those things are fun, right? But what are we doing for the kingdom of God? You see, the gospel message, how does this point to the gospel? The fact that Jesus Christ sacrificed everything for you to live, for you to have life, for you to have a hope, for you to have a youth pastor that loves you with everything in him, right? 
And he sacrificed everything for that. So what are we going to give to God? So I want you to contemplate that tonight, man. When you go home, you're laying in bed, and you're thinking, okay, maybe I should pray. Chris kind of got on us pretty hard tonight, so I'm going to pray tonight. Pray for God to help you. Help, help me find a way to serve you, God. Help me find a way to make a difference in someone's life. Listen, you don't have to go to some street corner and preach to people to make a difference, man. Sometimes it's just being nice to people. Sometimes it's saying the right words at the right time for someone that's having just an awful day. Make a difference. Make a kingdom-sized impact in someone's life this week. Go out of your way to try to, to try to make God as attractive as possible so people want to come to church, so people want to be a part of what you're a part of. Everybody lock up. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Abraham. God, Abraham, he, 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 he was in circumstances that, God, I'm afraid that if it were me, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I have that kind of faith, God. But Lord, I pray that you would just help me to, to be there, to get there. God, I pray that you would continue to grow me to a place where Abraham is with his faith and his trust in you. God, that I would just completely lay out, trusting that you'll catch me. God, I pray that you would give these students the wisdom and the, the courage, God, to stand up for what's right, to stand up for your word, God, to stand up for, for what's meaningful and, and purposeful for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that you would just use them, minister through them, God, I pray you keep us safe tonight as we go play egg football. I pray that we'll have fun. You'll bring us back for our next appointed time to be here, that we can worship you and glorify your name. God, it's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen.